Second Samuel chapter 9, 
several months now, I have been blown away with some of the care and the affection and the service and the passion that I have seen in Westerlo, New York. But here's what I'm pleading for. Instead of it coming from 30 or 40 or 50, what I would love to see is an increase and growth in that. What I would love to see is not just a few select few who serve so well and so boldly and so courageously, but that we might see a growing impact of grace. And that people say, man, I, I was thinking of this this past week. People were saying to this young sort of ruffian from the streets of Chicago who was going to the Sunday school at the Almudi was holding, and they're like, why are you doing that? Why are you hanging out with these folks? And he had this statement, he said, because they sure love a fellow there. Because they sure love a fellow there. Wouldn't it be great to hear if people said, you know what? Yeah, I go. Yeah, spend some time with these folks. They love people there. Instead of kind of like, yeah, but I don't have this and I don't have that and I have this background and I have this baggage and I have these wounds, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They love people there with the kind of kindness that God has shown to us. Frankly, is there not a part of us that gets sick and tired of those who profess to love Jesus Christ and belong to Jesus Christ and want to faithfully serve Jesus Christ, but they never seem to get off the dime? Oh, they 
they talk a good line. I want to be a world changer. I want to change the world, but I refuse to change a diaper. I refuse to change a garbage bag. I refuse to do any little thing. Give me something big, Lord. And he says, sure, pick up some trash. Spend time with somebody that you might not think is in your ballpark. Grace is sourced by God. Ask yourself, dear ones, is there anything, is there any task that is below us? Is there anything too small for us to do? Do you have a hand of grace for the needy? Do you seek actively to make a difference in the eternal destiny of a person's life? There are some folks around us, maybe even some folks in this building this morning, who are barely hanging on. It might well be that they're just kind of treading water. And they could use a meal, they could use a friend, they could use a listening ear, they could use a word of encouragement. They could use grace. They could use someone knocking on their door and saying, I'd like to show you kindness. And that's the way it is when God sources us. And God is our head word and our Thirdly and finally this, did you notice it in verse 7 as we read it? Grace takes the initiative. Grace is sourced by God. And I love this. Grace is expansive. Grace is expansive. So David said to him, do not fear. You think Mephibosheth wasn't a little creeped out and freaked out when all of a sudden he was called to the royal residence? I think he was. I think he was. Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat at my table continually. What expansive, glorious grace. This is overflowing. This is like the banks of some of our rivers here in New York after a lot of waters come down. They're just flooding the banks. And so it is with the God of grace. The privileges are fabulous. Saul's crippled grandson, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, is not going to have to sweat the details. God is going to fill up his cup. And so he lifts up his cup. And I hope that you make the connection to our ministry mandate. Grace is supposed to be expansive. We recognize that the, the riches of his grace, I love the language of Ephesians 1, he lavishes on us. This is big scoop grace. This is not the scoop that you received at your place where you have to share with your siblings. This is like grandma and grandpa scoops. You know what I'm talking about? Big difference. You go to your place and you got to make sure that your brother's got some and your sister's got some. And, of course, mom wants some. But you when you're at grandma's house, man. That's lavish grace. And that's the way that we pour out grace and kindness on people. That's God's grace. Some of us have been such misers. You know the first five letters of the word miserable are the word miser? I mean, we've been kind of like, you know, so take a little of this and take a little of this and take a little of this. There's a part of me that says, what am I saving it for? What am I saving myself for, my time for, my comfort for? What am I saving my resources for? When you serve a great and gracious king, I mean, Think about the Old Testament prophet. You, you pour out of that oil bottle, and 
and he's pouring back in and filling and filling and filling. And we never get the joy and the enthusiasm and the excitement of knowing what it's like to be spiritually filled up because we never really pour out. We're always measuring it out and saving it for a rainy day and wondering if we have enough when we get to the end of the thing. God's grace is expansive. If God looks at you and I with grace, then why are some of us so preoccupied with what others think about us? I mean, the king is looking at us. If the master over all things, not the one who is sort of sovereign, but totally sovereign, if he looks at us with kindness and grace and mercy, then why are some of us so concerned about what other people think? There's a PS, there's a postscript to the text. You can read it in detail later today, but it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 19. I'll fast forward to some of the details, but I want to give you the rest of Mephibosheth's story because I think it's profound. Absalom is going to move ahead with the rebellion. This is one of the sons of David. He will put David's life in danger. This high priest, or, or this servant, Ziba, is going to leave Mephibosheth behind in Jerusalem. So we're fast forwarding here several years. Eventually, you know the story, David returns in victory, and Mephibosheth is there. Mephibosheth is bedraggled, he has not shaved, he has not been cleaned, and he is heartbroken because he wanted to go with Ziba, but Ziba did not allow him to go and leave in support of King David. And there's this beautiful verse where David believes Mephibosheth and offers to him land to restore to him land. And I love it because Mephibosheth's beautiful comment informs us of how much he's been impacted by David's graciousness. Um, in verse 28, for all of my father's house, uh, we're, uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to move ahead to verse 30. Um, he's offered back land, and in verse 30, Mephibosheth says to the king this, Rather, let him, that's Ziba and company, let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. I want you to see that because here's a man who is so concerned for David's well-being that he doesn't shave and he doesn't, not shower, but clean, and he's in this state of mourning, and when he comes back and things are sort of being pieced together in terms of the story, and he's being offered land, and the tradition says, I don't care about the land. I don't care about anything. I just care that the king, you have come back safely. I'm thinking to myself, that's the measure of what grace does in a life. And it is glorious to behold. Mephibosheth has enjoyed this glorious privilege of being at the king's table day by day by day by day until the king is safely reinstalled. Mephibosheth cannot rest. The call of God upon our lives is to pattern the kind of graciousness that we see in King David. And so just as David initiates a gracious relationship to Mephibosheth, we ought to be initiating relationships with folks who, frankly, might not be in our circle of friends or even our 
particular set of, um, uh, of uh, you know, we don't spend a lot of time with these folks. Secondly, grace, this grace that I'm talking of and speaking of and putting before you from the text is a grace that doesn't come from us or because of our own, pers- our own personal kindnesses. It's sourced in God. We realize what great grace we've received. We've become the recipients of God's affection. We were moral cripples, but then he brought us to the king's table and we found at the foot of the cross rescue and forgiveness. And so it's sourced by God. And finally, the grace that is to be dispensed from us is supposed to be expansive. This is not sort of a paltry miserly here, take a little, and I hope you don't think too badly of me. This is rather something that overflows and floods out of us. God's grace is expansive. Wouldn't it be great, folks, down the road as we continue on in our journey together here, if people can't even recognize the great affection that we have for one another. If people said, man, I don't, I don't get why they do what they do. Boy, they love people there. Boy, they really care for people there. That's the call of God, and it's a simple call, but it's the call of God upon our lives. We love God because He first loved us, and we love others because that's what He calls us to do. Father, thank You for our time. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the example of David and Phibosheth. Father, we pray that you might help us to have our Mephibosheths. Father, for those of us who have been too busy doing things that ultimately and eternally have not mattered, we pray that you might adjust us, convict us, humble us, Lord God, so that we might hear the upper call. I pray, Lord God, that we, your people, would work, walk, walk worthy of the calling that you've given to us. And the people would sense that we have been with you and we're being sourced by you and our grace and our care is expansive. We ask you, Lord, for help in this way, on this day, in Jesus' name, amen.